Welcome to Marvin Methodist Church's Sanctuary Service, brought to you from our beautiful historic sanctuary in downtown Tyler. My name is Doug Baker, and I'm the lead pastor. We're currently in a sermon series entitled Jesus in the Wilderness. I hope this Lenten message blesses you. Let's join in as the message is already underway. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, and they took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him, and that these things had to be done to him. Now the crowd that was with him was when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead, continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard what he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. It's the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Grateful, uh, Tom, for the singing of that great meditation song and also the choir for that great anthem. It's good to be with you. It's going to be a very special week and encourage you to participate fully. I had a thought about, you know, I used to go to camp as a kid. Maybe you ought to think about Camp Holy Week and, uh, you know, just coming every opportunity you can to church Wednesday at noon and come Thursday night, come Friday night, and then, of course, come on Sunday and be a part of the great celebration here or in the park at Bergfeld Park. But we're glad this week is upon us. It'll be a special week. I want to invite you to be a part of all of the participation you can. Let us pray. Lord God, in these moments, as your word is now proclaimed, I ask you to hide me now behind the cross that you might speak through me. Lord, that we will embrace the significance not only of this day, but of every day throughout this week as we come ever closer to the heart of you and our Savior. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Celtic spirituality speaks of thin spaces. Those thin spaces where the supernatural and the common earth come together narrowly. I would refer to them as sacred moments. It could be when a, a child is born and you are there to witness it, and they take their first breath, or maybe when you're with a loved one and they breathe their last breath and you are there holding their hand. Possibly it could be seeing a beautiful sunset in a beautiful backdrop of a mountain or something glorious and you sense God's presence there. But I hope also, most importantly, that you sense God's presence as you come to this sanctuary and as you worship Christ our Lord, the Holy Spirit being very present. These are thin spaces when heaven and earth are very close together. When I read these chapters of John's gospel, I think of that thin space. Jesus' earthly ministry is drawing to a close. Events are brought into greater focus. God is ready to bring the salvation to all the world. And I think this is exciting. In the previous chapter, we see Jesus has performed one of his greatest miracles. He has brought back Lazarus from the dead after four solid days in the tomb. 
and there is much abuzz in Bethany. Bethany is just two miles to the east of Jerusalem, a short walk. And there in Bethany, Jesus will make it his home base for this week of events. In and out of Jerusalem, he will go. He will stay at the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. He will be re 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 dining at table with Lazarus and the disciples. Martha will certainly be busy in the kitchen doing her thing. And we read, or we could read right before our scripture lesson today that Mary brings a very expensive uh, nardar of oil and uh, perfume and she pours it anointing Jesus' feet and wiping his feet with her very hair. Heaven is close. According to John 12, 9, the large crowds that Jesus found out that they, the large crowds found that Jesus was there, there at the home of Lazarus, and they were looming around wanting to see not only Jesus, but this man who had come back to life. The people were excited, and it was also the Passover. And people were arriving in Jerusalem to be there for this great festival pilgrimage. Hundreds of thousands of people gathering. The stories of Jesus are floating about. And we know that also the, the, the uh, Pharisees, the Sadducees, they're already with the Sanhedrin trying to plot about Jesus' death. And if you would read John 12, 10, you'll find that they also want to dispose of Lazarus. So there is no evidence of this miracle that Jesus has done. The dramatic tension is on the rise there in Bethany along the pathway into the Eastern Gate of Jerusalem. And as we read this story, we see the great salvation story of God is unfolding. And like chapters in a book, or different sets in a play, or different scenes in a movie. We're seeing multiple plots developing, all going in the same direction. This is a thin space between heaven and earth. This week is charged with energy, passion, and intentionality. Jesus' popularity is an all-time high. The city is crowded and people are talking. People are asking the question, could this man who raised another man from the dead be the Messiah? Could this man, if he could do something like that, take care of our Roman oppressors? Maybe this man is our king. And so as Jesus enters the city, the plot is set. The tension is high, the events are real. And we have the advantage of being on this side of Easter. We know how all this is gonna play out. But let me remind you that the people of that day didn't have the perspective that we have. Some would call this the retro spectroscope. It is a colloquial term that is used in the medical field. Basically, it means that once there is a diagnosis, it's very easy to go back retrospectively with hindsight and say, oh, now we understand those symptoms that began six months ago or three months ago. Now we have a good understanding of those things that led up to this person's illness. We have the advantage of hindsight 
Friends, we know how the story ends, and it is easy for us to identify the hidden clues of the story. And friends, like reading a book or see, and then going back and reading it again, or seeing a movie for the second time, once you know how the story ends, you then begin to pick up more significant clues along the way. This is what John the Apostle is saying in our scripture lesson today. At first, the disciples did not understand this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize these things that had been written and done to him. Now, Philip Yancey, great Christian author and speaker, wrote a book entitled, The Bible Jesus Read. And he speaks of this idea of studying the Bible with a upper stage and a lower stage. I had never thought of this, but think this could be a good way to do some devotions. What is God trying to accomplish? What is important to God as this story unfolds? And then what is truly happening in the story? And how are the people trying to discern and figure out what is going on? Let's look at it this way. On the lower stage of Palm Sunday, we have the crowd. They've heard the stories of this miraculous man who's done unbelievable things. They've seen Lazarus with their very own eyes, and they're reclaiming as he enters the city, let's see if this man is our king. They want to give him a hero's welcome. They begin to throw their garments down on the ground as if to create a red carpet for Jesus to enter through as he goes through the eastern gate. They begin to wave palm branches as the children did for us today. And a palm branch for the Hebrew people was like a victory sign. If you were to go back in 200 years of history to Judas Maccabeus and the Maccabean revolt, you would understand that Judas Maccabeus led this revolt for many years when there was an oppressor who had come into the temple and done horrific things. The revolt got rid of that oppressor. And the people in celebration waved their palm branches. This is one of Israel's greatest moments of history. And so they celebrated by putting the palm branch on their coins. Waving the palm branch was like going to a parade in the United States, waving a small little American flag. It was very nationalistic. And so the people cried out, Hosanna, which means to save us, save us now. From Psalm 118, verse 25, they blessed the one who came in the name of the Lord, but then they added the blessing of, blessed is the king of Israel. The people had messianic hopes. Could this be the one? Could this be the Messiah? Could he be our king that will rid us of this Roman oppression? But then Jesus does something very strategic. Jesus does something very intentional. He doesn't come in on a war horse or on a chariot. He doesn't come in with an army or men that are swaving swords. He comes in on a baby colt, a symbol of peace. This, as one commentator said, would never have satisfied the enthusiasm of the crowd. His choice to enter the city in that way symbolized that he came on a peace-bringing mission, not a revolt and not a call to arms. Those on the lookout for a strong Messiah figure would have been disillusioned at best, but most likely extremely disappointed. That's the lower stage. But let's take a moment to step back 
from the God's perspective, the upper stage. And I don't know about you, but I love to see and connect the dots in the study about the ways that scriptures are fulfilled. And you heard this morning the very first scripture lesson from Zechariah 9, that the king of Israel would come in humbly riding a donkey. God had given that word to Zechariah many years before, and now Jesus is riding into the city humbly as had been prophesied. God is fulfilling a prophecy. God's Messiah King also coming humbly is entering the city through what is known as the Golden Gate or the Eastern Gate. And the Jews believe and still believe today, and it's found in Ezekiel 43, that the Messiah, when the Messiah comes, will enter in the Eastern Gate of the city. It is no mistake that Jesus is camped out in Bethany. That is the way in which he will enter the city every day. For those who have eyes to see, this is our Messiah. I also learned this week on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, when this animal would be slain, the lamb would be slain, they would take that animal out through that gate. It is the lamb selection day as well. Exodus 12 reports, tell the whole community Israel that on the 10th day, each man was to make, take a lamb for the family, for the household, and keep that lamb until four days later, the Passover day when the animal would be slaughtered. Friends, we know that this is, as Jesus enters the city on this day, it is lamb selection day, according to the book of Exodus. People are choosing their lamb who will make the ultimate sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus is our precious lamb who takes away the sins of the world. From God's vantage point, we have fulfilled prophecy. We see overtones of a lamb that will be slaughtered for the sins of the people. He's entering the gate of the Messiah and people are crying out, save us, save us because the human condition is one that has been going on for thousands of years. We cannot handle life on our own. There will be one leader after another that will cycle through, but our lives continue to be plagued with sin. Save us, O Lord, and our benevolent God knows the solution is not some great nationalistic leader. The solution is in one who can forgive us of our sins and begin to do an internal work inside of us. What I love of my study this week also was discovering that in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, when we see this, this amazing opening of seals that the Son of God, Jesus, will do, and he's opening the sixth seal, and John records in that vision, after I looked, therefore before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes, they were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out with a, large, a great voice, salvation, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. God had long-term vision. And he knew that one day when every knee will bow and every tongue confess, that one day when Jesus does come back, that there will be this glorious time in heaven and the waving of branches and the world gathered at his throne. 
in God's mind at the upper stage, there is worship. There is a cry out for help and salvation. There is victory in palm branches. And in the middle of it all is Jesus. It's Jesus. And that is our hope. So friends, what will we take away from this message from the, from the upper stage and from the lower stage? From the upper stage of the connecting of prophecy and all the things that God sees that leads us into the vision of revelation and the end times. And then also the lower stage where people are trying to figure this out as they go. Expectancy is a word I wanna to give to you today. In 2007, a book came out called The Shack. It's been a little bit controversial. Some people loved it. Some people liked the movie more than the book. But there was one thing I took out of that book that I will always remember. As the author describes the Holy Spirit telling Mac, the main character, there is a difference between expectancy and expectation. And let me just say to all of you here, this has been a help to me when going to be with other family members to celebrate vacations or to go and do things. If I can go with a spirit of expectancy versus expectation, because you know that if you have certain expectations of others, they will sometimes be disappointed. But if you can go with an expectancy of I bring my very best and I believe they will bring their best and that God is in the midst of us, that there can be some beautiful things to embrace. In the book, the character says, I am a verb. I am what I am. I will be who I will be. I am alive, dynamic, ever active, and moving. I am a verb. That is the Holy Spirit talking in the book. I am more attuned to verbs than I am to noun. Verbs like confession and repenting and living and loving and worshiping and growing and reaping and changing and sowing and singing and so on but the temptation of humans is to take verbs and to take, turn them into nouns. And where I wanna go with that this morning is this. We oftentimes will make worship a noun. Let's go to worship. Let's go see what we will experience in worship today. But I'm here to say to you, we are called to be worshipers of the living God, to come with an expectancy in our hearts that God will meet us, whether it be through scripture or preaching or whether it be through song that we've heard today or through the singing of him or through our prayer time, the expectancy. And that's what I want us to embrace for the week ahead of us. The expectancy is based on a relationship with a living God. That expectancy is what brings us together. It's a giving and receiving. It is alive and is dynamic. Everything that emerges from that expectant heart is, one, is a gift from God to us. If we come today with expectancy, if we come throughout this week with expectancy, God will meet us here. You know, I want to just share with you that one of the blessings that I experienced this past week was Melissa Brigman's retirement party. I hope you know that Melissa has been with us 30 years and it was quite a party for about an hour and a half on Friday night. We saw videos, we had testimonies, we heard stories, we celebrated Melissa, all the missions growth that's happened over 30 years. And it was a wonderful celebrative event. But let me share with you what I took away as the blessing that I thank God for that evening when I laid down to go to sleep. That was this, at the end of the celebration, as we are gathered around just having informal 
normal conversation, a woman came up to me and said, Doug, I want you to know that my husband and I are growing in Christ more than we ever have right now. Wow. That's the expectancy I'm looking for. That's the expectancy that I want to celebrate. And so, friends, the week is before you. And if you're disappointed we didn't have communion today in this worship setting, the first Sunday of the month, I remind you on Thursday night, we will break bread together in the context of remembering the one who washed the feet of his disciples, in the context of lifting up the cup and celebrating the Passover meal and Jesus saying before us, this is my body given for you. This is my blood. It is now shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And I hope that we fill her auditorium on Thursday evening as we share in this journey together. And on Wednesday, we will be in the sanctuary and we will hear the scriptures of the week. We will hear the songs and we will be blessed as we reflect upon what's happening throughout the week. And on Friday, the beautiful choir behind me will sing Rudder's Requiem, reflective music with orchestra, reminding us of the passion and the presence of God in the midst of suffering, God bringing his best out of the suffering of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And friends, as I close this morning, we prayed the beautiful prayer, the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. John Orberg restated this prayer to, in a way that I found to just open my eyes. Lord, make up there, come down here. Lord, make up there come down here. And so as we walk through this week, may we more deeply understand the heart of our God, our loving Father, whose vision was to redeem the world. May we see the hidden clues of this God did on Palm Sunday long ago. And may the events of Holy Week be for us a very, very thin space where the Almighty God is dabbling in our midst stirring in our hearts by the power of his Holy Spirit. May we come with expectancy to every service of this week as we come together, Lord, and pray, make up there, come down here. Through the lens of the retrospectoscope, Jesus, Jesus, you are our leader. You are our king, Jesus, Jesus, you are our savior, our precious lamb, who died to take away the sins of the entire world. Jesus, you are the one for whom the victory palm branches wave. And one day there will be a glorious gathering in heaven and we will be there to celebrate the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It's going to be a great week. I look forward to seeing you each night as a part of this and then Wednesday at noon as we share together in the passion and the Lord's good work among us. Lord, make up there, come down here. Hallelujah. Amen. There came a dream so fair. I stood in old Jerusalem beside the temple there. I heard the children singing 
And ever as they sang, methought the voice of angels from heaven in answer rang. Methought the voice of angels from heaven in My dream was changed, the streets no longer rang. Hushed were the glad hosannas, the little children sang. The sun grew dark with mystery, the morn was cold and chill. As the shadow of a cross arose upon a lonely hill, as the shadow of a cross arose upon a lonely hill. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, hark all the angels sing, Hosanna in the Once again the scene was changed, new earth there seemed to be. I saw the holy city beside the tideless sea. The light of God was on its streets, the gates were open wide, and all who would might enter and know. sun to shine by day. It was the new Jerusalem that would not pass away. It was the
Thank you for watching our broadcast this morning. I'd like to personally invite you to join us for Sunday morning services at 8.30 and 11 on our campus at 300 West Irwin Street, downtown Tyler. God's up to something here at Marvin Church, and I don't want you to miss out. I hope you'll visit our website to learn more about our church, its ministry, and serving opportunities. And if we can be of any help and assistance in your spiritual growth, I hope you let us know.